Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have back with us again today Sir Robert Bolton. Robert is a partner in the UK firm. He's part of the senior leadership of the global people and change practice and also a member of the leadership of KPMG's Global Human Resources Center of Excellence. So, Robert, thank you for joining us here again today on the Advice Worth Keeping podcast series. It's a great pleasure, Stan. So what we wanted to talk about today is another installation in an ongoing series of podcasts we've been developing around process automation, and we kind of coin it beyond bots. And what we mean by that is that when organizations are looking at robotics process automation or cognitive automation, there's certainly some intuitively great benefits particularly around RPA cost savings, but that organizations just focused on pushing in the technology, building some bots, that's great, but they might be missing the bigger picture and that potential benefits they can achieve beyond cost savings. But it could also be maybe not thinking through up front, how do you actually execute upon this? Because it's certainly going to change the work environment as things are more fully automated. It's going to change the role of different individuals within the organization. It will certainly lead to some job loss and will certainly lead to some opportunities for individuals to take on more strategic roles. Robert, what I'd like to talk to you about today is what do you see in terms of what its process automation mean to the human resource organization itself, but also what's the role of the HR group in helping the broader organization understand the challenges and the opportunities and really prepare themselves to excel at the adoption of process automation despite the fact that there's going to be significant challenges along the way. So maybe starting out from the perspective of the HR group, what are the key things they should be aware of as they embark on or have embarked on and are expanding upon their process automation efforts? The potential benefit of this technology on the HR function can be quite considerable and it's absolutely not just about cost. And I see people talk about robotic process automation and machine learning. There seems to be an emphasis on, and here are the cost savings. And of course, there are cost savings, but equally, there's benefits in terms of speed, quality of the process, responsiveness and enablement to actually improving data quality and freeing up capacity, which, of course, one of the age-old dilemmas that the HR function faces is an inability sometimes to work on the more strategic aspects that are more value-adding in the organization because they're always firefighting around the more transactional and process and administration aspects. After all, you know, you have to make sure that people get paid the right amount of money at the end of the month, first and foremost. Often HR struggles to square the circle between keeping the operational ship afloat and investing time and effort in genuinely added value activity. And digital labor as an encompassing term for both robotic process automation and perhaps machine learning and cognitive elements, I think this can help to square that circle and to release capacity in HR. So it's the productivity boost that allows for capacity that can be then reallocated. For example, the use of these technologies in the front end of an HR shared services to do what's sometimes known as the level one with the higher end of machine learning and cognitive, the level two caseworker support that line managers and employees can get from an HR shared service. Well, these technologies can do a considerable amount. So if you think of it as a Pareto, 80% 
of a lot of the queries and questions in our analysis may well be dealt with through these technologies, through digital labor, leaving, of course, the more complicated 20% where absolutely a human interaction is going to be required and human advice. So the net benefit of all of that is an overall better service. I think also if you design these things well, a strong interest I'm seeing from many clients about the whole digital experience and the digital employee journey. And you know, some of the software vendors are talking about things like not a system of record, but a system of engagement through the digital journey. And these technologies absolutely can provide a platform that enhances the digital experience and the digital employee journey. The final thing I'd say around the impact of digital labor in the HR function is, of course, the more cognitive end, absolutely providing an enablement of more predictive analytics, of an ability to synthesize structured and unstructured data and to derive insight from that. And this will do is help the HR business partner be much more proactive, predictive, and insightful when providing, if you will, decision support to senior line managers and business unit leaders. I also think this is a factor that affects the application of these technologies no matter what the function is. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking about HR or whether we're talking about finance or procurement, but the research that we've been doing seems to suggest that the internal boundaries within a function and indeed the boundaries between functions start to break down. So we at KPMG starting to look at the concept of the boundary-less HR function. For example, what can be sometimes quite problematic boundaries and handoffs between HR business partners and centers of excellence, but actually these technologies allow for a much more seamless integration of these organizational constructs and even raises the question, well, do you need centers of excellence, certainly the way they're currently configured, or do you actually mash them all together and say, well, we've just got a corporate strategic HR function, or do you band the business partners together and with cognitive augmentation, they provide what is previously done by centers of excellence as well as the business partnering activity. Or you can do it the other way and say, actually, you'd need far fewer business partners. And centers of excellence take a bigger role because a lot of the analytical decision support might be provided direct to line managers through cognitive technology. So there's massive choice that this throws up and I think a significant re-examination of the HR operating model. Part of that re-examination, Robert, what should organizations be doing or are they doing enough already relative to looking at the resources and talent within the HR function? So if you talk about boundaryless HR, that's obviously different than the historical model. Or you mentioned earlier that perhaps 80% of typical inquiries might be able to be handled in an automated fashion, which would free up individuals to address the more complex issues, which implies they have the experience to do that. Are there things that organizations need to do to make sure that the HR organization's rank and staff are ready for this? And typically, are they? And then maybe longer term, what does this mean from the standpoint of succession planning within HR? There's always been the thought that people learn the basics and then move up the food chain through middle management and then ideally someday into senior management. But if the lower levels of activity, as you point out, could be fully automated, what does that mean? Is there a different type of people that need to come into the HR group or is it more so they need to be different type of training so people can jump to the lead and handle more strategic work sooner rather than maybe spending that five or 10 years learning the ropes 
handling some more of the transactional work? Those are great questions. I think, first of all, that there is a skills issue. We already see it, actually. We see with organizations that deploy cloud technology and seek to create much more workflowed process automation and self-service that people that perform that HR business partner role sometimes actually struggle to let go of the caseworker problem solving, putting out of fires activity and struggle to replace that with genuine evidence-based predictive insight and decision support, that truly strategic business partner role. You should have one business partner for each business unit leadership team. But when you look at a lot of organizations, the ratio of business partners to employees betrays the fact that you have many, many more business partners performing a role that's somewhere between just a caseworker, traditional HR manager, and a genuine strategic business partner. And because Quite frankly, there are many more business partners than there are business unit leadership teams. And I think that there has to be a sharper distinction about the future skills that are now needed. And you're right about career paths. I think with the introduction of this technology, the way that career paths constructed is going to have to be rethought. And we are going to have to think about different entry points, sometimes higher up the ladder, and perhaps different pathways into the HR profession, indeed different pathways into the finance profession. And I think that actually focuses on the second aspect of your question right up front, and that is there's an enormous role for HR to play in supporting the organization deploy these technologies elsewhere and deal with the implications of the deployment of these technologies. So I think there's a massive agenda around more agile, real-time strategic workforce planning and scenario planning, addressing the disruption to career paths, and indeed the consequent impact on employee engagement. Organizations need to actually think about, well, if they are going to replace people with digital labor, how are they going to address the employee engagement aspects? Because it's often the employees that were doing the job that has to train the bot. So we're going to ask people to train the bot, which will do them out of a job. Probably even more challenging than training the offshore professional who's going to take your job. Now you're training that bot. Indeed. And that plays to this whole reskilling agenda. And that's not just you know, HR needing to reskill itself. It's HR needing to get involved with the reskilling of the rest of the organization. Otherwise, that release of capacity won't actually mean anything. And that reskilling has to be done in a timely way. Finally, I think there's massive societal implications to this technology if it goes the way that many commentators think it's going. And I think HR needs to place a leading role in both getting the organization leadership to think through what stance are they going to take about the role of the enterprise in the wider economy and society, to what extent are they going to treat people fairly and within a framework of good practice and ethics about how people should be handled during the transformation that follows from the deployment of this technology but also engaging with and lobbying government and engaging in what we term the higher purpose conversation. Economies, all Western economies are going to have to seriously wrestle with issues like how long the working week should be. Should we actually be looking for a reduction in the working week? As many economists are now saying it's the only way that we're going to actually balance supply and demand and also think seriously about different way of taxing both individuals and corporations and partly to fund things like a universal basic 
income. Now, these are topics that require enterprises to engage with and to engage with government. Otherwise, we're just going to drift to a future that may not be the one that we want to experience. Well, I think those are some excellent points, Robert. So maybe to wrap up, in your travels, do you think, taking it back to the level of the organization, do you think that the typical organization you're dealing with really gets what you were just talking about? The business understands the broader ramifications and the importance that the HR group can play within their organization to help them work through this, and then the organization as a whole work through it as part of the larger SIOFO effort. And at the same time, do you think the typical HR organization is doing a good enough job of selling the fact that this is an extremely important opportunity for them to help the business work through this. Does everybody get this and it's just an execution effort or is there still some selling that needs to be done internally around some of the dimensions that you've been discussing beyond just saying we're going to go put bots in and save some money? If I just base it on my own experience, already in the new year, I've got a workshop on this topic with the senior leadership of a well-known global insurance company who've come to us and said, we think we now need to engage with this topic. Equally, just had a global pharmaceutical company, one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies, again, have come to us and said, we really want to talk about digital labor, what that's going to do to both the HR function and the role and purpose of the HR function. So I don't know whether that's because they've seen perhaps some of our thought leadership. I think at least one of them has. Equally, what I sense is HR functions, particularly in the big global corporate, the Fortune 500s, are at the point of awakening to this. I don't think they've been particularly active on this topic up to now, but I sense that there is a real waking up now to this topic. Quite whether they understand the full implications in the way that I've described it in terms of things like the societal impact, the significant reskilling agenda, the need to radically re-examine what a career is and all of that, I think that they will find out that that is a requirement, if you will. But they are certainly, as I say, waking up to the topic. I don't think that anyone has adequately thought through the rigorous scenario planning about the possible futures that might unfold and have made choices about which future they'd like to steer towards. I think that is absolutely something that HR has to engage in and has to engage in quickly. I don't think anyone is doing that quite yet, but they are waking up to this topic. The need to then start taking action will soon follow. Okay, well, that's good to hear, and that's a very heartening note for us to end on here today. So, Robert, thank you very much for your time. As usual, great insights, and we'll have to get you back in a few months, and you can share with us some of the progress you've been making with some of the big organizations that you identified that are really starting to look very seriously at what they need to do in this space. Robert, again, thank you very much for your time today on Advice Worth Keeping. It's a pleasure, Stan. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is KPMG dot com slash us slash podcast that's a wrap thanks for your participation 